Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Those of you that are here with us and those of you that are joining live stream this morning, and we certainly appreciate all of you that are viewing on Wednesday and Sunday out there. Um, but I especially want to just give a quick shout out to my friend Larry. Larry, it's good to, good to have you joining us this morning as well. Yeah. Um, John chapter 9 this morning. We are in the midst of a series on rediscovering our awe of God. And as we grow in our awe and wonder of who God is, I think it will make our celebration of Christmas, even as Christians, better than ever when we realize how amazing God is, and yet he came as a baby in Bethlehem to be wrapped in, in humanity, even, even makes it more astounding to us, the, the message and meaning of Christmas. But today we're in a passage where Jesus is going to restore sight to a blind man. Now, even though Jesus could still do that today to someone who physically needs to see, I want us to look at this passage and apply it primarily from a spiritual vision viewpoint. Because God is, in this passage even, not only going to restore physical sight to a man, he's going to try to bring some spiritual vision and spiritual sight to people around as well. The Bible tells us that spiritual vision is so very important. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. When you and I do not live our lives with clarity of spiritual vision, we will experience the loss of what is of greatest value and worth, or we will be unaware of what is of greatest value and worth, and therefore fail, fail to live for that because of our lack of spiritual vision. Many of you are like me. You've been to the eye doctor many times in your life, and you sit behind that machine as they start to pull those lenses in on both sides of your eye to try to dial in that perfect clarity. I may be a little different or weird, but I, I like that. <laughs> I, I like starting out, you know, in this fog and, 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 and all that, and all of a sudden they start to dial that in. It's like everything becomes very clear. And you'll notice that when they do that, they do that one eye at a time, right? And I want to apply that to us as Christians, that in order to have great spiritual vision, we need both the eye of worship and the eye of the word to come together to give us a clarity of God in our life. Without one or the other, we're going around with one hand over one spiritual eye. And obviously, just like physically then, we're not getting a true, clear, or full picture of who God is if we're only looking at things from one-eyed perspective. Now, why is Jesus going to heal this blind man, but also be trying to bring spiritual vision to the people around him because this man who was born blind that Jesus is going to restore sight to, and that's an amazing miracle in and of itself, is in the midst 
of a bunch of spiritually blind people. And even though physical blindness can be disabling and obviously a, a hurdle and a challenge to overcome, and certainly we're looking all forward to one day where we don't have to wear glasses or contacts or anything anymore, and we'll be able to see clearly forever and ever that it's even more important that we see God and that we have spiritual vision. And this poor man who was physically blind was living in the midst of a bunch of spiritually blind people. Here's Jesus, their Messiah, the Son of God, standing right in front of them, and they don't even see it. You see, the religious leaders that are there at this time, they can't see Jesus or they don't want to see Jesus because they don't want to give up their power and position in this life. And therefore, they are too proud to see who Jesus really is because they want to hold on to their power and position. You have this man's parents. Even though he's an adult child, his parents are distancing themselves from even their son and Jesus because they don't want to lose their standing in the synagogue or in their community. And because of that, they are totally blind to who is standing in front of them and who actually does the miracle to their son and restores his sight. And then there's the crowd, the crowd who looks at this man that they know and sort of denies the fact that this miracle ever happened. Well, I don't know. I, I don't really believe that that's the guy that was born blind. And like a lot of people today, their, their spiritual blindness keeps them from seeing the miracles of God and the acts of God or giving God the glory that he deserves or even denying that God would work that way. God can't work that way. God's not going to restore sight that way. God's got to work in my predetermined box. And if God works outside of my predetermined box that I say God can work in, then that can't be of God, right? Spiritual blindness. So in the midst of all this, let's look at this story this morning and see what God has for us. And as we go through, the first thing I want us to see are the principles of spiritual vision, how to be a spiritual visionary in principle, and then what are the priorities of spiritual visionaries, those who have spiritual clarity of vision. You'll notice in verse 1 of John chapter 5, it says, Now as Jesus was passing by, he saw a man born blind. Saul. <laughs> Jesus stopped. And, and there was something in this man that he wanted to, instead of just passing by, he wanted to stop and engage with this man because this idea of seeing is more than, again, just physically seeing. It, it is to perceive and discern. One of the principles of spiritual vision in our life is to be able to see others as God sees them. Do we look at other people the way God views them? When you and I begin to have spiritual vision in our life, we will start to look at others the way God looks at them. And here, we will see in just a moment, that unlike the disciples who simply are treating this man as a matter or subject of theological discussion, Jesus sees this man as an object of divine mercy. 
an opportunity for grace to come to this man. Now, that doesn't mean that when you and I live with God's spiritual vision that every last person that we pass by, God may want us to stop and engage with and minister to and all that. No. But what it does mean is as you and I grow in our spiritual vision, we won't just be out there, you know, with other people insensitive to them, but we will have spiritual vision to see them as God sees them and and to know through that spiritual vision whether God wants us to just pass by or whether God wants us to pause and in some way interact with them in some way. And that was Jesus, you see. He saw this man, and instead of continuing to pass by, he stopped, and he wanted to engage this man. Now, the disciples in verse 2 say, well, they ask the rabbi, which simply means the master, the teacher, their leader, that, Lord, who committed the sin that caused this man to be born blind? Was it him or was it his parents? Now, first of all, Jesus is going to point out to them they have some bad theology that needs corrected. And that's part of having spiritual vision, too, is having the right thoughts about God and the ways of God and the will of God and how God works. That brings spiritual vision. These disciples had some cloudiness, if you will, in the way they looked at others. Because again, notice, Jesus sees this man and has a heart of love and compassion, and and he looks at this man as an object of mercy. Uh, They look at this man as a subject for theological discussion. And they're more interested in talking about the man than they are ministering to the man. You and I need to be more like Jesus. That instead of sitting around talking about people and discussing them and why these things have happened to them and all this, that we open up ourselves to maybe actually being of service and ministry to people. It's easy to talk. It's much harder to actually get involved with people's lives and minister and serve. And that's where Jesus was. It wasn't about talking about the man of why he ended up the way he did. It's about meeting him where he is and making a positive difference in his life. And we Christians can be really good about sitting around discussing and talking about theological this and theological that, and not that there's anything wrong with that or that that doesn't have its time and place. But you and I all, if we had that spiritual vision, wouldn't take us very long even to look around this room this morning and see that there are people that we're probably sitting around that could use some ministry and some service and some encouragement. And if we have that in this room, how much more do we have that outside of this room? Spiritual vision. So Jesus answered them. And he says something that may be one of the most profound things I ever see in Scripture. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Let's stop there for a minute. Jesus is not saying that they're not sinners. 
He's simply saying in the context of the disciples' question, there is no connection between an act of sin that they committed and God somehow punishing this man with blindness, which is how the disciples viewed this incorrectly. They looked at this man uh, as an indication of divine displeasure because he was born blind. Somehow God was mad or punishing them, and that's why this man was born blind. No, no. There are times, and maybe many times in our life or other people's lives, where we're going through something painful, where we're suffering in some way or, or having to deal with a certain situation, and it has nothing to do with a bad choice or decision that we made. It is not God punishing. It is not God, you know, getting us back for something. Now, that doesn't mean also that there aren't times in our life where we make choices that have bad consequences. And we do sometimes suffer for our own choices and the bad choices and decisions we make. Absolutely. But we cannot tie every bad thing that we go through or anything like this man that, that was born blind and somehow automatically think God's punishing me for something or getting me back. That is not clarity of spiritual vision to see how God works. So you can imagine, because the disciples, Jews back in that day, they all thought if somebody was born with a disability or something terrible happened to a family or a situation, God was punishing them for something that they did. So here's the master teacher who's telling them, nope, this man nor none of his parents, there's no direct correlation or connection between this man being born blind and any kind of choice or decision they've made. I'm sure that the disciples all were like, what? And then he says this. Again, maybe one of the most profound statements in all the Bible. So if you're a Bible marker, I'd mark this one. He said, this man was born blind, start with the word so, so that the acts of God may be revealed through what happens to him. Oh, there's a lot there. There is a lot there. Because Jesus is, again, going to heal this man physically of his blindness, but he wants to teach all those around about spiritual vision, which is even more important. Because one can have two good eyes and not ever be able to see God and therefore go out into an eternity of darkness where there can be those who cannot see very well physically, but they see God clearly, and they will go out into an eternity of light forever and ever. So Jesus says, you got to start seeing people the way I, God, see them. And you've got to understand something about the way God works. If God bring something into our life, if God allows something 
to happen, even if it's not something that we did, but something that we're suffering for because of what somebody else did, or even just living in a fallen world like we all live in, Jesus says, your spiritual vision will give you clarity in this matter. First of all, whatever it is, God has a purpose for it. Anytime you see the two words, so that, in the Bible, that is saying to us, God is about ready to reveal purpose. In other words, he's saying even to the little audience of his disciples, this man was born blind for a purpose, a God purpose. There is nothing that God allows or nothing that God causes in our life that is purposeless. God always has a purpose for why he allows or causes the things to happen in our life. And, and that purpose is an eternal, divine, and good purpose. In other words, God is saying, because I am the kind of God that I am, I will never allow something to come into your life that in any way would hinder your relationship with me or hindering being able to see me and, 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 and live for what's truly worthwhile. It will actually enhance it if it's responded to properly. If you understand, I've got a divine purpose that actually has all of eternity in mind. It doesn't just have our lifetime in mind even if it started at the beginning of our life like this man where he was born that way and lasted all his life compared to eternity, Jesus saying, that's the scale that I always work from. Which leads me to the next thing. Not only do I have to believe God has a purpose in it if it comes in, but that God will work in it. Notice Jesus says, so that the acts or works of God can be revealed through what happens to him. In other words, Jesus is saying, God will accomplish something through this. Even if it wasn't something that he would have desired, <laughs> that he brought about, but that he allowed, again, because of his infinite wisdom, that he will find a way as God to work in it, to work through it, to show himself strong through it in order to bring out something good in us and in others around that situation. It's really exactly what Paul says to the Romans in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. It's not that everything is good, <laughs> In fact, there's some things that are terrible that come into our life that we have to deal with. But when you and I have spiritual vision, then we see God clearly and we say, God, you have a purpose for this. And, and maybe I'll see it immediately. Maybe I'll see it soon. Maybe I'll see it one day. Maybe I won't even see it unfold until I get the glory. But I know through my spiritual vision, you have a purpose for this. And second, that you are working through this. 
And even though this was something really bad, you as God can bring something good out of it as you work and as I allow you time to work your purposes. And the other thing Jesus is saying here is, so that the acts of God may be revealed, meaning that not only do I understand, I know, God, you have a purpose, I know you will work, but third, I know you will be glorified. And that's what we're to be living for. Not for our, you know, comfort and happiness and yada. We're to be living for the glory of God. Whether we eat or drink, we should do everything to the glory of God, to where God is seen in a greater way through our life, what happens to it, how he works in it, and how we respond to it, that he gets the glory. Just as Dave was sharing this morning about how God worked through us trying to help that little church down there in Mexicali. God gets the glory for that. In everything that you and I go through or God allows, God has a purpose in it, God will work in and through it, and God will be glorified in it. And when you and I begin to develop spiritual vision, not only will we see others the way God sees them, but we will come to understand and know that even if we can't see it immediately, we know in our heart that God has a purpose for it, God is going to work in it and through it, and God is going to be glorified in all of it. And then Jesus goes on to say, we know that we must perform the deeds of the one who sent me while it is still daylight because night is coming when no one can work. Another principle of spiritual vision is realizing I have limited opportunities and that I need to seize the opportunities I have in this world to live for God and to make an impact and make a difference in other people's lives because I'm not always going to have that opportunity, you see. I need to live with a sense of urgency. Spiritual vision will give me a sense of urgency, if you will. It will light a fire in me that will burn bright throughout my life because I realize I only have so much time on this earth, and that's really what Jesus was saying here. He's saying we've got to be, while we're here, and we have opportunity to, to live for God and glorify God and, and be servants of God, we've got to be engaged and committed while it's still daytime because he says night is coming when no one can work. Spiritual darkness will eventually engulf the world and there will be no opportunity to do what we have the opportunity to do right here and now. So Jesus is also then saying this. He says spiritual vision will allow you and I as his children to be able to see deeper and further and beyond the surface of things as they are on this earth. So let me take this past year just for a moment since we can, you know, we're still living it. You know that you have spiritual vision and that it's growing in your life when you realize that the events of this past year 
aren't just the events of this past year. There's something more going on here. If you can't see that there's something more going on on this earth than just a pandemic, an election, protests, yeah, if you can't see beyond it, past it, underneath of it, to what's really going on here, because what's Jesus say? Night's coming. Spiritual darkness is engulfing the earth. And when you and I have spiritual vision, we can see beyond just what is happening and begin to see the spiritual reality of what's happening underneath it all. There's more happening here than just meets the eye. Now, Jesus says, verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. I will radiate who God really is because I'm God. <laughs> I will magnify who God is to others because I'm God. I will let others know this is who God is. Now, the crazy thing is, Jesus is no longer in the world, right? So who's the light of the world? Remember, Jesus said to his followers, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine. Now God says, I want to shine my light through you, so now you need to live your life in order to radiate and magnify who I am. And in order to do that accurately and correctly, we need to be in touch with God and have that spiritual clarity and vision of who he really is so that we can live out the reality of who he really is to others and not paint an unattractive picture of God a disproportionate picture of God, an inaccurate picture of God, like the disciples were at this moment? Well, Jesus, who sinned in order that this poor man was born blind? Not wrong. You're giving an inaccurate picture of who God is to others because of your bad theology. God doesn't always work that way, you see, which is part of the reason why God encourages us to grow in him and, and learn of him and all of that, so that the more we do that, the, 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 the better lights we will be. The more we will show others, this is who God really is. Not who the world says he is, not who even some of these other Christians live or say he is, because they're, they're, they're not operating with spiritual vision very good. But we need to just keep living the way we know you are, God. The way we know you are. And then I love this, verse 6, having said all this, he spits on the ground, he makes mud with the saliva that he formed, and he spreads the mud upon the man's, blind man's eyes. Would Jesus have had to do that in order to heal this man of his blindness? Absolutely not. Jesus could have just thought it, Jesus could have just said it. And did you note something here too? Again, because God doesn't always work the same way. God tries to get us to see, don't lock me in your little box of how you think I need to work or should work. Because in this case, this man doesn't even know who Jesus is. Therefore, he's not even able to place any personal faith in Jesus at this point. Jesus says, I'm just going to heal you even though you don't even know me yet, 
even though you haven't even acknowledged me as God yet, I'm just going to heal you. I'm just going to give you some of my grace. And I'm going to do it with mud. Some of you germaphobes would have been freaking out, wouldn't you? <laughs> what are you doing? You, you spit on the ground and you made mud and you're putting it on my eyes. You know. Jesus sometimes stretches us in the way he works, doesn't he? But again, what God is teaching us is, let me be me. <laughs> let me be God and work the way I want to work, and don't put me into your little box. I'm greater than any box that you and I could ever create for our God. And all I got to say is, if I was blind, I wouldn't care how Jesus healed me. He could put all the mud he wanted to on my eyes. I'd be okay with it, because then Jesus says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And I love this. At the end of verse 7, it says, And the blind man went away, washed, and came back seeing. He was able to see simply because he responded to the directions of Jesus without even knowing who Jesus is, even acknowledging him as God, but just listening to his voice and saying, Okay, I mean, you... Try to put yourself in his place. This man was born blind. He's, a, he's an adult now, so he's been blind for many years. And this stranger comes along, makes mud, slaps it on his eyes and says, go wash over there. And then you even wonder, how did the man even get there? Did he have help getting there? Because he's blind and he's got mud in his eyes, so he can't see to walk there. So did somebody take him? Did he just sort of stumble around? I don't know. We don't know how he got there, but he got to that pool. He washed it off. And he came back, and he was able to see things he had never seen before. And I love the fact that one of the first things he saw when he was healed was the face of Jesus. Able to see. Able to see. And it's a wonderful miracle. Our Jesus can heal the blind and, and give hearing to the deaf and, and can give the ability to walk to the lame, and, and he's a healer. And, and all this man did was just simply listen to the directions and voice of Jesus, and he was healed. And I just want to encourage all of us today that if we're in need of any kind of healing, spiritually, emotionally, or physically, just listen to the voice of Jesus and follow his directions, and you will be healed. Because Jesus is still a healer. So we've talked about many principles of spiritual visionaries. I want to share with you for the next few moments some priorities of spiritual visionaries. What should be the priorities of our life if we want to have spiritual clarity of vision in our life and get that spiritual vision dialed in like we do when we go to the eye doctor and have them, you know, put those lenses in front till finally it like it clicks and we got that perfect vision. Three simple things. First, see Jesus. See Jesus. There's a story later on in the Gospel of John. It says, these Greeks had come up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. They recognized Philip as one of Jesus' disciples, and they went up to Philip and said, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. You see, you and I can't have spiritual vision without seeing Jesus for who he really is. 
And sometimes in our world, even as Christians, we lose sight of Jesus. Other things start to come into our field of view that sort of block out Jesus, and we no longer can see him because we've got, we've got a pandemic in front of us, and that's all we can see. We can't see Jesus anymore. Or we've got this problem in our life, and all we can see is the problem or the challenge or the situation. We can't see Jesus anymore. And what we have to do as Christians, especially if we're going to have spiritual clarity of vision, is to always make sure that we see Jesus before we see anything else. But it's not enough just to say, okay, I see Jesus now. The second principle is look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily clings to us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. It's not enough just to see Jesus. I got to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and I got to continually look to Jesus. What's it mean to look to Jesus? It means that when I look to him, I'm looking to him for the answer, for help, for, for relying and depending on me. I'm looking to him with anticipation and expectation. God, what are you going to do in this situation? Exactly what Jesus said at the end of verse 3. Why was this man born blind? So that the acts of God could be revealed through what happened to him. God, what are you going to do in this situation? That's the way God wants us to look to him in everything that happens to us. Is instead of going down a bad road and getting to a bad place spiritually, emotionally, and physically, is our first thing should be, God, I wonder what you're going to do now. I wonder how you're going to show up. I wonder how you're going to be glorified. I wonder how you're going to work in this. And to do it with a sense of expectation and anticipation, God, I can't wait to see how you work things out in this. Because you promised that with my spiritual vision, I can clearly see there's going to be a purpose. You're going to work in and through it, and you're going to be glorified. God, I can't wait to see how that happens. That's looking to Jesus. And then the final priority of spiritual visionaries besides seeing Jesus and looking to Jesus is worshiping Jesus. I want to take you to a verse in the book of Psalms, one of my favorites in all the Bible, Psalm 27, verse 4. The psalmist says, I have asked the Lord of one thing. This is what I desire, Lord, above everything else. I want to live in your house all the days of my life so that I can gaze at the splendor of the Lord and contemplate him in his temple. The words gaze and contemplate are worship words. They are words that describe a person whose heart has been captivated by God. Someone that is not only engaged with God and experiencing God, but whose now God is the joy and delight of their life. They actually enjoy God. So often as Christians... We can get so caught up in being Christians and in even serving the Lord and ministering the Lord and trying to do the, the things of God that we lose the joy of the Lord. That's where worship comes in. Restoring the joy of our salvation and coming to understand that 
God isn't someone we just learn about in an intellectual, you know, sort of antiseptical way, but he touches our heart. And it's someone that we love because he loved us first. And it's someone that we have feeling for and we have emotion for. The word contemplate speaks about God being our one that we appreciate, that we adore, and that we admire. The psalmist says, more than anything else, God, I want to get to that place where I can just stay in your house and I can just gaze at you and I can contemplate you. That's worship. Adoring God is worship. Appreciating God is worship. Admiring God, that's worship. And that's why I said at the beginning, in order to have real spiritual vision, you need both lenses. You need the lens of worship working with the lens of the Word, and that's why at the Oasis Church, you'll even see it in your bulletin that our purpose statement is to build a people where the worship of God and the Word of God complement each other and come together to work together so that it gives us the spiritual clarity and the spiritual vision that we all need to be able to see God, experience God, navigate life, navigate the trials of life in order to understand how God works and who He is in order that, that we can then be lights in the world that God calls us to be. Because He's no longer in the world. He's left us behind to be that light to magnify who he really is, to radiate who he really is. How's your spiritual vision this morning? I want to ask everyone here to just stay with me. Don't move around unless it's an emergency. And I'm just going to ask right now for our worship team to be the only ones to move and come back to the platform. As they're coming back, in order for us to end our time here with worship this morning, I want to ask you something before we come to this place. And I want us to go back to that place where we're at the eye doctor. Because if you've ever been there and you've went through that thing of getting the lenses and all of that, you know that part of that process is we have to make the choice of what lens we feel the clarity's better on. They'll give you a choice. They go, okay, Jeff, one or two. I'll say, well, one's a little better. And there's times where, you know, it's really close, but no, I, I can see better with that lens than I can this lens. Okay, how about now, one or two? And you make the choice until finally, the doctor puts the lenses in front, but you and I make the choice of what vision, in a sense, we're going to choose to have when we walk out of there with our new prescription. The same thing is true spiritually. God will give us spiritual clarity of vision if we really want it, but we've got to make the choice. And here's a hard question. What choice are we willing to make? What sacrifice are we willing to make in order to be able to see Jesus more clearly in our life? Because sometimes that might mean, I don't like that lens, God. That's a difficult lens. 
That might mean I have to go through some pain or suffering or trials or whatever. But if it means bringing you into greater clarity in my life and I get to see you, I'll choose that lens, God. If that lens is a lens of comfort and no trials and just, you know, the old fat, dumb, and happy type of life on earth, but somehow you're not as clear to me, I don't want that lens, God. I want the lenses, God, that allow me to see you more than anything else. That's my choice. So as we stand now, I'm just going to ask you, what choice will you make? And will you and I choose the lenses of God that bring God into greater clarity in our life?